0: Hi, and thank you for listening to Dream 10X Radio, where we interview people attempting to live extraordinary lives. Our twofold purpose is to both direct and inspire people bold enough to do the same. Dream 10X Face your fears and make your life count. Welcome to Dream 10X, episode 42. It's your boy, JC.
1: And Dr. Cable.
0: And checking the mic, make sure it's on. We're all good to go. Um, we bring you this episode. We bring you this podcast bi-monthly. Is that the correct way to say it? About twice yeah. a month. And this is episode forty-two. And we are trying to talk about how to achieve, how to have big dreams, and how to achieve them. And part of reaching big dreams once you've kind of Uh, sketch those big dreams out is putting a plan in place and then executing that plan in order to get to those big dreams and so Executing the plan is probably one of the most important aspects of achieving big dreams in our opinion Mm -hmm. and that's why we've created this podcast and Trying to figure out how do other people go about reaching their big dreams and how do they execute the plan that they put in place and execution is uh, one of the probably one of the most important aspects of achieving big dreams, and so we started a mindfulness mindfulness series last last podcast in Kansas City mm-hmm. when we were at the city's friend's house and um, It's becoming more and more clear to me how mindfulness uh, is is very important in in, in how you think uh, how you portray yourself uh, the energy you put out into a room or a group of people, uh, uh, h- how you say things, uh, what you say, all of these things are very important and all of these things kind of tie into mindfulness and they all kind of segue with execution of your plan to <laughs> achieve your big big, scary dreams. And so this week we're talking about a book that um, I just read called Verbal Judo and I think this book segues very nicely into the whole theme of mindfulness because it has to do with being aware of of what you say and how you say it, and and that aspect of verbal communication is, is extremely important in how you relate to other people, how you how you perform sales, how you uh, pitch ideas within your organization, how you come off to your to your man, how, how you how you come off, how you appear to your management, your the optics of how you uh, present yourself and. Um, uh, a corporate environment. All of the, all of these things are extremely important uh, in terms of your micro-execution of your ultimate plan. If that makes any sense. Does that make any sense? I... Well, it
1: does to me because we talk about it. <laughs> so hopefully it makes sense to y'all.
0: So do you want to talk a little bit, a refresher about mindfulness and why you have a brain sitting on the... Why <laughs> do
1: <Just, laughs> to... you die.
0: What's going on with the brain model? So, right. well,
1: first... Did I you have tell them to, that no, they came that way. Oh, okay. Um, something very special about this episode. It is episode number 42. 42. Which is the answer to life use and everything. There you go. You this it. is it. This is the most important episode. So what is the ultimate question? That's what we're trying to figure out. Right. <laughs> For you fellow geeks out there. Uh I have a brain because I'm taking a medical neuroscience class and as well as a mindfulness certification class because I want to learn more about how we actually think and work and from a biological perspective because it helps with the sociological perspective and creating more impactful learning experiences. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, Mindfulness, overall, though, is very powerful, and again, as everything James said, how we show up. And not just how we show up, but then how we move forward with our daily lives. So recognizing what's going on in our bodies, how we're interacting, and then being able to accept it non-judgmentally and then move forward. So it's a lot about just self-awareness and forgiving yourself and being okay with where you are at the moment and understanding where you are at the moment.
0: Mm. Can you point out the amygdala on here? Is that is that the brown thing?
1: Yeah, back here. Well, actually the prefrontal cortex. So the, um, Oh, I'm learning. I'm going to probably screw this up totally. The cerebellum is... So the prefrontal cortex is up here. That's where I'm thinking yeah. brain. The cerebellum is back here.
0: Oh, cerebellum so, is in the back. Mm-hmm. As is your amygdala. Right?
1: I think that's in the back, too. Um, neuroscientists out there, I'm still learning. This might be the amygdala
0: right here. That's, that's
1: the brainstem. Oh, brainstem. Yeah. So or we're maybe. inside here. So this opens up. It's pretty cool. And... I'm gonna throw up! <laughs> this was last night's project. There's the inside of the brain! It's super cool! What is that? That is the insular. I forgot
0: what it does! So there are all those components? Is that the real how the real brain is? Yeah, so? yeah,
1: and this is the hippocampus, and these are vestibules, and this is my favorite. This is the um, corpus... Crap! Dang it! It's the piece that connects the right brain and left brain together. Um, and I studied this like this is the one piece I was gonna remember today. The Ethernet cable. The Ethernet cable. This is that. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty cool. That's so this is helping me digest. And when we talk about learning, you watch a webinar, you're not gonna learn it. You actually have to experience it in order to really retain it. So that's why I got the model.
0: Did you write? Did you write the label? I wrote the label. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I knew what I was doing.
0: Why are you doing that? Why are you? Why are you? Why are you, why are you interested in the brain and in neuroscience? Results?
1: It's fascinating uh, how we actually think and how the biology works. So my dissertation was on how we reconnect to nature. And a lot of that was from a neuroscience perspective and Mm. genetics perspective, because in biocultural evolution, how we evolve today directly affects both the culture that happened in the biology. So, uh, for example, one of the primary examples is like people that are allergic to milk. So we're the only species on the planet that drink milk as adults. Curious. And some people have lactose intolerance because we aren't supposed to drink milk. But we started that. Um, Also, glasses. I find glasses really interesting. Like, how did that evolve? And back in the day, (laughs) did people who didn't see very well get eaten by the tigers because they didn't know where they were going or didn't know what plants they were looking at or how did they experience? Um, So, But we have glasses today, and so that's just one genetic defect that never got you look at me
0: like I'm mm. crazy. <laughs> oh, I'm just interested in your train of thought. So yeah. hopefully I can learn from you, because from an artificial intelligence, you know, learning about artificial intelligence and kind of the parallels that we're, the technology is drawing with uh, biology, I'm interested in to hear more about what you learn about the brain. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for, for studying that, because I don't have time. Um, before we get going into the talking a little bit about verbal judo, I wanted to, to read, uh, I found a great op-ed, or op-ed, obituary in the Wall Street Journal this past <coughs> weekend that segues really nicely with what we're talking about here in terms of emotional intelligence and EQ and, and um, all, that, all that stuff. So. Uh, this woman uh, was a professor at Wharton, U- Wharton uh, University Business School there. Her name was Sigal Barsad, and, or Barsade, something like that. And she just passed away of a brain tumor. She was 56 years mm-hmm. young. And um, just really caught my eye. I just loved reading about her life, and how she thought about things, and how she tried to always be positive. And uh, that's one thing I'm, I'm really trying to work on in my own life, is, po- is, is being more positive about everything, even when I don't feel that way, because I'm, I'm generally a very negative person. So trying to be positive is, is uh, something I'm working on. Uh, I just wanted to read a little bit of her obituary, because it's very apropos. She says, uh, we literally catch emotions from one another like viruses. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about why it's so important to be as positive as possible, especially in the workplace, your corporate environment, because it, our enthusiasm, or our lack thereof, is very contagious, and will spread it through an organization.
1: neurons.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what she said. Um, she says, bosses can't prevent this emotional contagion. They should try to encourage positive emotions while dealing with problems generating negative ones. She advised leaders to pay a special close attention to the emotional signals they emit through facial expressions, body language, and other habits. Mm-hmm. And that segues is really great with what you're always talking about with in, in regards to digital body language. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about digital body language sure. and why that's so important now?
1: So Erica DeJuan, she's amazing. She... Uh, was ahead of her time because she's like, all right, we're starting to work in a virtual world, and it's how we show up virtually. And she wrote a whole book about it called Digital Body Language. Strongly recommend it. And then the pandemic hit, and then everybody's like, oh crap, this is so relevant now, even though it was relevant before. Now, like, people really embraced it. So it's literally how we show up online. If you turn your camera on or off in a meeting, that sends a message.
0: If you, I always if you, have
1: my camera on. If you <laughs> never leave your camera on,
0: that, <laughs> that that's, so that's the message. Uh, what is you, the message that when I turn my camera off, what message am I?
1: It, it, depends. it depends. It could right? be. It's, it's generally
0: negative, right? It, that, well, that? it could
1: be negative. Like yeah. I have two coworkers I've never seen. I just
0: don't like seeing my face on the screen. That's so you
1: can. Know. So that's pretty cool. There's te- there's tips and techniques for that. Like so you can um, have a focus where you're like not even on the screen in most of the softwares. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people, it's easier for them to talk. Like if they have, they are seeing themselves. Um, yeah. And it's interesting too, like what they found from a neurological perspective is that when you're on the camera, even if there's other people on the screen, you're always going to be drawn to your own image, Right. which is fascinating to me. I don't like that. Yeah, So, but you can block that, you can turn that off. We can work on the software. Well, on. I'll teach you software. Well, okay. <laughs> so um, so yeah, digital body language, who you, CC, who you CC on an email sends a message. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Who you put first on an email sends a message, how quickly mm. you respond. What you say, do you use emoticons? Do you use exclamation points or not? The Seinfeld episode, that's yeah. actually real. Yeah. Uh, so there's a Seinfeld episode where the guy wrote down a, a phone message and he didn't put an exclamation mark <laughs> and she got really upset. Yeah. But that's seriously how like we interpret stuff. So everything yeah. we do, people are interpreting what you're saying. So it's a little bit different perspective. So that's digital body language in this day and age is huge. How we show up virtually.
0: Yeah. I... I would be, I don't want to get into the point where it's just analysis paralysis. I don't know what to type and how this person is going to interpret it, you know, but. What so. message do you want
1: to send? Just be intentional again What about what message you want to send.
0: Yeah, thank you. That's, that's very, very cogent. Um, going on into this obituary, I just want to read this real quick because I just love how she looked at life. Little acts of kindness and support can add up to an emotional culture characterized by caring and compassion. Her studies showed that a healthy emotional culture, a work culture, enhanced employee performance, satisfaction, and teamwork while reducing burnout and absenteeism. Um, her husband, this so this we talked about in the last episode how um, when people flip you off in traffic, how you you know you need to shut down your amygdala as quickly as you can and, and not react and, and try to recklessly drive to compete with them or prove a point or whatever.
1: Also a Seinfeld
0: episode. Seinfeld has a lot of great lessons, we should go watch that again. Um, And her husband Jonathan Barsade said of her in driving in traffic that uh, she would often consider the other person must be in in some kind of emergency or something like that and that's why they were driving recklessly. So that was her first response to reckless driving, Mm -hmm. oh they must be going to an emergency. I thought that was interesting, a a default thought about why somebody, you know, assuming the best intentions of somebody. Yeah, assuming
1: positive positive
0: intent. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is hard to do. It is very hard to do, especially for me. Workers in units with strong cultures of compassionate love, she found, showed greater job satisfaction and provided better care. She reported similar findings from surveys of employees in other industries. Her message showed that emotional intelligence isn't the softer side of business he said but actually a core part of being successful mm-hmm. so i hear you talk about this stuff all the time i'm like i don't understand what you're doing but but now that i'm seeing the how important it is in a business setting i'm like it's critical it's absolutely critical that you be aware of these skills yeah. and, and how to how to wield them i guess
1: because in one fell swoop you can completely crush a team and then it takes somebody to bring them back up again. Yeah. bring them back up takes a lot longer.
0: She advised executives to monitor their moods. If it's not one that will be useful to your team, change it, she said. One trick she added is to change your facial expression to the one you would have if you were happy. <laughs> Regardless <laughs> of how you're feeling, just, it tricks
1: the brain. Just smile. I love her. But really interesting.
0: Uh, and then finally, my favorite quote, and this is the end of the obituary, is, emotions aren't noise, she often said, they're data.
1: Love her. Man,
0: uh, awesome. And uh, thank you for your life. It was, it, and, and reading your obituary is uh, amazing. It, r- it really touched me, and it really segues nicely with what we're talking about, what we're trying to learn. And so, awesome.
1: Yeah, definitely a role model there.
0: Just wanted to point that out. Okay, so now I just wanted to get into the top five takeaways from verbal judo. So what you say and how you say it is very important. Mm -hmm. And so that's why this book is important. Um, This book was written by a former police officer, so he had to deal with the public a lot and had to (laughs) learn how to diffuse a lot of angry situations. And so he provides a lot of uh, key takeaways and knowledge from his experiences in working with a very unruly public. (laughs) So what better person to teach you how to You know, talk about amygdala hijack, and or you know, and and dealing with that situation, um, and how to respond verbally. Uh, Okay, I'll just get. There's so much I could talk about here. Um, So first of all, the book is is uses judo to kind of describe and explain how you verbally communicate uh, in order to diffuse a situation or or to uh, have a positive conversation with somebody. So why judo? So, judo means in Japanese uh, the gentle way. And basically, it's a martial art that uh, teaches one to use the momentum and force of your opponent against them. Mm-hmm. And so, I took judo in to college. Did for, you really? For, for one year, my freshman year. And my favorite moves were the hizaguruma. Okay. And so, basically, you twist your opponent and you trip them by putting your leg on their knee mm-hmm. and kind of, kind of do a knee sweep on them and you throw them down. So I, I, I got pretty good at that. And then uh, Hanegoshi, Hanegoshi, I can't say it right, Hanegoshi, where you do a hip, it's basically a hip toss. So you grab their gi and you do a hip toss and you mm. throw them over and that was my absolute favorite. Because there's just something about throwing a, an opponent over your hip and having them land flat on their back, that's so fulfilling. <laughs>
1: But, I can see that <laughs> but
0: it took me a while to get those moves my my sensei was my classmate he was a black belt uh, Ian Pinkerton and he would he would use me as the model to show all the different things and it all always resulted in me getting choked up <laughs> hey my <thank> guy. <God. laughs> but anyway I found out that a great way to defeat an opponent is to never wash your gi. <laughs>
1: gross so,
0: I stumped the high heaven every time I was in practice, so nobody wanted to wrestle me, so... Victory! Yeah, yeah! Wow! So anyway, that's what judo is all about, you know, the, the gentle way of, of, of fighting opponent. So that's why the, the book is named that, so I thought that was a really interesting thing about the book. that was one of my key takeaways. Uh, interesting, also that it was written by a police officer, and the Tokyo uh, Tokyo police uh, force or whatever uses judo as their primary martial art.
1: I love that. That's fantastic. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, There's a lot of
0: Japanese connections here, <laughs> obviously. Uh, so, so number two, uh, top takeaways here were eleven things that you should never say to somebody. Eleven things you should never say to somebody. Interesting. And I just kind of chuckled about pretty much all eleven in the context of marriage. But anyway, the first one is come here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah, that's probably the reaction he was getting. to funny. me, number <laughs> uh,
0: Number two, you wouldn't understand. Yep. In the context of marriage, is I don't know. This is really funny, but these are things you shouldn't say to anybody ever, I guess. Number three, because those are the rules.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh!
0: <laughs> Number four, it's none of your business. Number five, what do you want me to do about it? Number six, calm down.
1: Oh, calm down is the worst because it's Nate. You need to name the have the other person name the emotion like. Um, I sense you're feeling frustrated, or whatever, instead of calm down because that just totally takes, <laughs> woo, yeah.
0: <laughs> and which is funny because I think uh, people who are good at rhetoric and and getting people spun up know that.
1: Oh, yeah, like all of like, I all the I know people days. who are like, dude, just calm down, <laughs> you know, yeah, just okay. to
0: spin you up, get you spun up. Uh, seven, what's your problem? That's another one. What's your problem, dude? <laughs> Number eight, you never or you always. Yeah. That's a good marriage one. Number nine, I'm not going to say this again. <laughs> Ten, I'm doing this for I'm doing this for your own good.
1: All these are making initial like <laughs> total reaction in my stomach. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. Eleven,
0: why don't you be reasonable? So never, never say those to anybody. Those are a little phrases. Okay, number three: <clears throat> sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will break our hearts. Mm-hmm. That's true. So it's the realization. Uh, take away from the book the realization that what we say and how we say it to people can <laughs> it can be really uplifting and a positive thing, or it can be devastating, absolutely devastating, more than getting physically hurt. Oh yeah.
1: It and actually causes social pain and yeah. like rejection causes social pain but advil does help curiously they found because your body yeah your body has the same reaction to it that physical pain and so like the advil like helps to numb a little bit really yeah interesting that yeah. that so phys- it causes anything.
0: physical pain yeah yep. yeah his quote is words cut deeper and their wounds fester longer than traumas of the sword that's why we need to be trained to speak effectively very important aspect there. Okay, number four. The Japanese term mushin. Excuse me. Mushin in samurai warfare is a state of mind defined as a still center. And so it, uh, the English equivalent is kind of um, uh, disinterested. Not not uninterested, but disinterested. You, you act like what's going on doesn't affect you at all. You're 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 calm through the storm. You're, you're calm through the storm, and things aren't things aren't bothering you. Mm. And uh, I thought it was interesting that yet, here is yet another business book, kind of business book uh, that uses Japanese terminology mm. in it to help buttress you know core concepts that it's talking about. Mm-hmm. And I look back at some of our other podcasts, in episode forty in Purple Cow. Uh, we learned about the word otaku. Yeah, and how the otaku are the uh, idea sneezers or the the alpha alpha nerds people who are very uh, interested in a, in a very niche area and who when they learned about new things are very willing to tell other people about it the otaku We learned about that in episode 40 when we talked about purple cow episode 30 and some other books, you know, where we talked about the talent go, code, and books before that have all mentioned kaizen, the Japanese word kaizen, which is all about self improvement, continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not self improvement, but continuous improvement yeah. uh, through all aspects of your life. And so, anyway, I just thought it was interesting. Here's another book mentioning a Japanese term. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got Mushin, Otaku, and Kaizen so far that we've. <laughs> Out, out of these these books, um, so that was number four. Mushin, the samurai warrior. Be calm. Don't let the storm bother you. And then finally, number five, how you verbally communicate something is more important than what you communicate.
1: So yeah, ninety percent of what people process, data process, is what they see, hear, feel, sense, whatever. What you say is less meaningful. Yeah.
0: So well, I'm screwed because I do not so, have good verbal communication skills. Now,
1: yeah, for example, uh, <laughs> lieben <in> dich. <laughs> right? We know in the German, but it sounds very angry.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you made the point very well. All right. So, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, elements of voice are important, and they include your tone, uh, the pace at which you say something, the pitch, mm-hmm. and the modulation. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what modulation means, but
1: um.
0: I guess how nervous you, your voice is. <laughs> could
1: <laughs> you, be. You
0: could come yeah. off sounding nervous, and that was like that kind of throws mm-hmm. people off too. Yeah. It. Um, Pitch if you're like very anxious or whatever, and you're talking very high. That's a that's a a key indicator. The pace at which you say something. So these police officers would would be very um, in tune to how you're responding to their questions and stuff in order to determine, well, is this person really telling the truth or not?
1: That's interesting because like so when I'm getting my mindfulness certification, and I have a tendency to talk very fast and excited, (laughs) and for leading somebody through a mindful exercise, it doesn't really work. And so Lena, my coach, told me to talk like yeah. it feels very awkward. And then people's brains will keep up with you and process. Hmm. Like, oh, wow. So I feel like I talk like that. Like right. very much in slow motion. Right. It's interesting. But it's not. So, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Piper's joining us.
0: <laughs> I keep thinking of the way you you try to encourage the dog to go outside. Yeah. And, and sometimes you'll like, all right, let's go outside, and she won't move. And then you'll go, come
1: on, Piper, let's go outside, come on! <laughs> she runs out the right door. <laughs> She's ready to go. So, I do the same thing with my team.
0: <laughs> yeah, proof, proof, proof hey, of point no, right there. No, 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 um, no. He says, a mediocre idea brilliantly presented often gains acceptance, whereas a brilliant idea badly presented often dies in birth. <laughs> so, um, That's true. I, I gotta, I, that made me think a little bit about... About how I <laughs> present, ideas. it's going to be key in sales too, right? You got to yeah. how you present in the sale is going to be much more important than, than what you say in a sales pitch. So,
1: it's very true. Uh,
0: this also made me think about rhetoric. He he brings up the term rhetoric, and rhetoric is basically you, how you go back and. Forth. My interpretation of it was like thinking back in college or whatever when you know you have a lot of banter and. You know, each other would try to put it you try to put each other down as mm-hmm. quickly as possible and have the, the like best. Like your mama or, jokes. Your yeah. mom, your mom was so fat her bell size is equator or something like that. Yeah. And I could never come up with it. Uh, uh, I'd be like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> your you know?
1: face has a smell on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was horrible at it. I couldn't do it. But if but if it came to writing. Uh You're a i flip you on your butt, man. Yeah. From a writing perspective, but from verbally verbally, I have no verbal judo. You know, no I have no game.
1: <laughs> but you're cute.
0: <laughs> so anyway, that's verbal judo. Thanks for listening. And we will see you in March. Woo!